Live from WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Monday, October 17th, 2022. Tonight on WNUR News, the Block Museum Sonic Showcase, Keeping Up with Kanye, and how one Northwestern building might be menacing the avian community. Plus, a brand new episode of The B-List. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to tonight's edition of WNUR News, brought to you by Seasonal Allergies. In Campus Local tonight, in the lead-up to tomorrow's One Book, One Northwestern keynote, campus organizations have been hosting programming related to the title, How the World is Past. The Block Museum welcomed contemporary artists Mendy and Keith Obadike last Saturday for a sonic performance. The show re-examines the history of anti-black violence in the United States. Ava Mandoli has more. Please be advised that this story contains mentions of anti-Black violence that some listeners may find upsetting. How can we humanize statistics? In the Black Box Theater at the Wirtz Center for the Performing Arts on Saturday, October 8th, contemporary artists Mendy and Keith Obadike attempted to answer that essential question. The immersive audio experience was part of an event hosted by the Block Museum of Art in conjunction with One Book, One Northwestern. Mendy and Keith's ongoing project, Numbers Series, transforms numerical databases of violence against Black people into sonic information. The artist's work draws on themes from the Block's Winter-Spring 2022 exhibit, A Site of Struggle, American Art Against Anti-Black Violence, as well as this year's One Book, One Northwestern selection, How the Word is Passed, by Clint Smith. Nearly 50 people gathered for the half-hour performance, titled Number Station 2, Red Record. This installation of the Number Station project was based off of Ida B. Wells' 1895 publication, Red Record. The book tabulated statistics about alleged causes of lynching in the United States. So, the, you know, the name of the project we took from these... Uh, sort of Cold War uh, radio broadcasts uh, where people would read numbers often uh, and these things would be decoded on the other side by, you know, a spy sort of with, with, with a code book with a pad to decode the information but you'd have to know the code in order to know what was being said. And so we were kind of interested in transmitting information with these numbers Sitting behind a table draped in a black cloth in the middle of the dark theater, Mendy and Keith recited numbers in a solemn tone. As the performance continued, the audience started to recognize patterns. These are dates, and each date from Red Record is a day a person was lynched. One, two, six, zero, two, 
The couple's recitations were underlied by a soundscape that bore unrelentingly into this still, somber atmosphere. Even these seemingly arbitrary sounds were imbued with meaning. Let's say we have a date of 09, we might translate that into 900 hertz, right? Um, or if you have a day like 13, you might translate it into 1,300. Mendy and Keith's production contributes to a diverse array of programming put on by different campus organizations in association with One Book, One Northwestern. This year's book, How the Word is Passed, is a nonfiction work that uses specific locations across the United States and the world to examine the legacy of slavery. Student fellows and ambassadors contribute to One Book through the book selection process and year-long programming. Communication senior Mark Berry described the student committee's sentiment behind this year's book selection. It's a book that, you know, it's been, it's not for like two years now, I think, um, but it has every day since its publication become even more relevant with all this political stuff that's happening like in Florida and in Texas um, with like book banning and with the critical race theory backlash that every day there has been new developments in our current political system that directly relate to what this book is talking about and are why this book exists. And we're really excited to have such a fresh and modern and really important now book for this year. Professor Leslie Harris of the History Department is this year's One Book faculty chair. She is a historian of slavery who is focused on complicating the ideas we all hold about the history of African Americans in the United States and finding ways to communicate these new ideas to the general public. After attending Mendy and Keith's performance, she reflected on the role numbers play in how we remember history. There's some numbers that we know and we hope that what they symbolize gets across, but there's a fear that people just become a number. Nobody wants to be a number. <laughs> but they really, I think, challenge that. They say that, no, these numbers have a meaning, and we can bring meaning to those numbers. I think they bring meaning to it. They force us to understand the meaning of those numbers. To Mendy Obadike, Abstraction is a way to reinstill emotion into numbers and remind listeners of the people behind those dates. That's the practice of this project, of, you know, is to know what can be communicated, experienced, meditated upon with nothing but numbers. Um, but I think because we are. Author Clint Smith will be delivering the one-book keynote lecture at Northwestern on Tuesday, October 18th. He'll first speak in a moderated discussion on the Chicago campus from 12.15 to 1.15 p.m. at the Hughes Auditorium, and again on the Evanston campus from 5 to 6 p.m. at the Mary B. Galvin Recital Hall. After the Evanston event, Smith will also participate in a book signing. Programming for one book will continue throughout the year. For WNUR News, I'm Ava Mandoli. 
Moving on to arts and entertainment. Rapper Kanye West has been in the headlines this month for his erratic behavior. Most recently, he's been kicked off Twitter and Instagram. Reporter Ella Barnes sat down with students to discuss the impact of the anti-Semitic rhetoric that got him banned. After a recent string of erratic behavior, Ye, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, has been restricted on social media by both Twitter and Instagram. As of October 10th, Twitter and Instagram have confirmed that Ye has been locked out of his accounts after policy violations and made no comment as to when those privileges were to be restored. One notable policy violation is from a now-deleted tweet released early in the morning on October 9th, in which Ye stated that, quote, when I wake up, I'm going to DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, unquote. This tweet sparked a flurry of responses across the internet and in real life and ultimately led to his being locked out of his account on October 10th. My name is Julia Zimmerman. Um, I'm a bio major on the pre-med track. I'm part of Hillel at Northwestern. On Northwestern's campus, there have been many discussions of this particular tweet between friends and online. This has become a topic of conversation for people who didn't even consider themselves fans of Kanye's music. I just personally obviously felt quite harmed by those tweets. Um, like Kanye, Kanye's music is fine and whatever, but I don't think like having good music gives you like a pass to say racist or anti-Semitic or like any sort of um, hate speech. Oh, I saw that it became, he like, I think got his Instagram account restricted and then I think got like booted off Twitter. I'm not sure completely, or it's just like a temporary ban for, and I, I saw the tweet before it got deleted, the really anti-Semitic one where he said he was gonna like, death con something to Jewish people, like, yeah. That was freshman Nicole Avery. Some have jumped to defend Kanye, like Jewish right-wing political commentator Ben Shapiro. He sent in a tweet, as usual, two things can be true at once. Kanye's moves towards pro-life, faith, and family conservatism are encouraging. His DeathCon 3 posts and black Hebrew Israelite language are clearly anti-Semitic and disturbing. This comes after Ye appeared on the Tucker Carlson show on October 6th. I think that so many times we're like, oh, Kanye's just crazy. Kanye's just crazy. That's just who he is. But I don't think we really, like, I think for some reason, society has let him be immune to cancel culture. And I don't really know why. This all brings the question of free speech to the forefront of people's minds. This question of what social media companies should be regulating when it comes to what is being posted on their platforms has become a reoccurring issue, particularly on Twitter. Avery compared it to Trump being banned from Twitter for his hate speech and spread of misinformation. I didn't really talk to too many people about it, but I kind of saw like the internet reaction to it, like online and things like that, where... It kind of prompted a lot of the same conversations we had with like Trump's Twitter about like what is okay with free speech and like what should social media companies be like, where do we draw the line with like what's free expression and then what's like censorship from social media companies. But like using language like death con six Jewish people like that just seems so explicitly violent that like I was very in the camp of like, I think they made the right action with disabling and restricting his accounts. As of October 13th, Kanye is still banned from Twitter and Instagram. From WNUR News, I'm Ella Barnes. And out there in oddities, a rerun for you today as fall migration starts. Kellogg, the place to find beautiful lake views, less beautiful business bros, and dead birds. Helen Bradshaw speaks with the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors to learn more. 
if you're a wood duck, migrating hundreds of miles might be something you're used to. But you still probably want to take a break every once in a while. And the crystal blue banks of Lake Michigan might seem like the perfect place to do just that. That is, until you mistake a window's reflection for the actual lake, hit the window full speed, and then die. This is the case for many Chicago and Evanston resident and migratory birds. This past weekend, over 100 million birds were predicted to be migrating at night in the United States, and over all of spring migration, from March to June, billions of birds migrate across North America. In the course of migration, or just flying around, over 600 million birds die in the U.S. each year from collisions. Chicago is the worst-ranked city for bird collisions in the entire nation. Well, I'd always heard that there were these instances of people reporting birds that were hitting windows in downtown Chicago, and it was, you know, it seemed like this dire problem that nobody really had a solution for, and maybe a lot of people just considered it collateral damage, and that, you know, what are you going to do about this? That's Annette Prince director of the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors. Really, um, I'm interested in it because uh, I think birds are, are wonderful and I'm very dismayed that when they travel through our area, they're in so much danger. And even though I can't uh, protect some of the habitat loss that they're experiencing, it's it's just as vital that during their passages between North and South, we give them safe, safe passages. We can do things that improve their ability to, to survive what is a, a marathon, uh, an amazing journey that they make every year. Chicago is known for its beautiful architecture. Just walk by the Chicago River and listen to an architecture tour host telling dozens of people on their boat. But many buildings in Chicago have massive windows. These may look appealing to us, but especially when combined with bright lighting at night and their location along migratory paths, they can be detrimental to birds. But the bird deaths don't stop in Chicago. On Northwestern's campus, several buildings are particularly problematic for birds. At, at one point back in, in 2017, people really made a push about the fact that, you know, they'd been asking for years for Northwestern to do something and, and reporting the casualties. And there was a very receptive person who was in community relations at Northwestern at that point, who was really open to retrofitting one of the buildings on campus, which is the Francis Searle building. And uh, after retrofitting that, it opened the opportunity to both show how uh, by monitoring that building after they added the window film, how what a significant decrease we had in bird strikes. If you had to pick the top three buildings that we have the most concern about, it would be uh, the Kellogg Global Hub, the Ryan Athletic Center, and the Mudd Library. Since these buildings are already built and are used frequently in promotional material, it seems unlikely that they could be altered substantially for the sake of birds. But there are still many precautions that can be, and have been, put in place to try to mitigate the illusionistic effects of windows and lights. Uh, the Kellogg Global Hub, even though they have done some mitigation on that building, they added window film onto the east side of it, which is the place where birds are both seeing a, a deadly reflection or a transparency in that glass of a whole you know, green space that is... Um, adjacent to the east side of that building. And by adding the retrofitting, the, the number of strikes on that side has been maybe cut in half. But still, you know, from 100 birds killed, uh, now it's 50. Still, still, you know, it's a building that has so much glass. There's just so many areas that now that it's already up, trying to find ways to cover or protect or change all that glass is a, is a, is a very challenging task. Still, there are more precautions that could be taken, including with lighting. Lighting can be very dangerous, and we have seen that the buildings that leave their shades up and lights on uh, have an increased number of bird strikes. The, the Ryan Athletic Center 
which kind of comes in number three, that if they leave their lighting on, it's, it's almost like a lighthouse beacon that can be very dangerous as far as drawing birds in to begin with. Light seems to attract birds from their migratory path. They're already navigating and orienting themselves by the stars and the moon. They use light in different ways to, um, to find their way when they're, when they're flying. We've seen them be drawn miles away from where they were normally flying to come towards that light in a disoriented way that then brings in the opportunity or the, the misfortune to come to encounter the glass that's in that building. According to Prince, even with protections in place and the improvements that have been observed, birds of all sizes are still in danger from these architectural trends. We've really seen everything, including endangered species. We had a least bittern that hit uh, the Kellogg building, I think it was last year. The, the lakefront campus is such an inviting place. It's, 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 a, it's a nice habitat. It's a green space that birds that have been flying all night, which is what the, the majority of these migratory birds are doing, is and they're coming off of a path that was following the lakefront. And a campus like Northwestern uh, looks very inviting. It's almost an obligation if you have buildings next to the, this sort of very inviting habitat to try to do something to, to make sure that the birds that encounter them aren't going to face additional danger. And when I, I see the fact that someone either has rescued something and brought it to me or, or they've seen me rescuing something and they, they get an appreciation for how important this issue is and how um, what, what a big difference, some simple things like turning, uh, turning some lights out, drawing some drapes, seeing, seeing that register for people is, is, is meaningful to me. If a building was killing 10 people a year, we'd be making sure that the building changed its ways. Uh, we might have to close that building down. We, that just wouldn't be acceptable. But some buildings killing hundreds or thousands of birds uh, is either looked at as collateral damage or something that is, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and the fact that we have ways to do something about it. We have the power to, to change that. It's not a, a hopeless or confusing problem because in some way, some, some of the environmental issues in this world are very complex and it's really hard to, to know all the, way, all the things we have to do to fix them. And we, we have a lot of good strategies for, for fixing the buildings. If you do find an injured bird, you can put the bird into a paper bag or for larger birds, wait with them while calling the Chicago Bird Collision Monitors hotline at 773-988-1867. You really should care that that our environment could crash if these birds are no longer part of, of a vital chain of life that controls insects, pollinates, plants, um, it, that, that we rely on whether we're aware of or fond of birds at all. They're, they're so critical to, to us surviving and going on. We need to protect these birds for their sake and for our own sake. For WNUR News, I'm Helen Bradshaw. And now it's time for the B-List, WNUR News' weekly pop culture roundup. Emily Yang has more. Welcome to the B-List, your weekly roundup of celebrity mess and pop culture. This week, Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber drama, the release of Stick Season, more Netflix to binge, and some crushing sports upsets. In celebrity news, Selena Gomez and Hailey Bieber were pictured in public together for the first time. This appearance comes after Bieber's remarks about having no drama personally with Gomez on Call Her Daddy, and all of this comes ahead of the release of Gomez's documentary, My Mind and Me, on Apple TV+. In music, Noah Khan recently released his Stick Season album. The titular song has proven to be his most streamed release, and I personally can recommend this album for my post-breakup granola girls looking for a shower cry. In movies, Call Me By Your Name is now available on Netflix following the platform's controversial decision to implement ads in its base subscription service. Regardless, we can all get excited to see Timothy Chalamet for free on someone else's subscription. 
In sports, Liverpool pulled off an upset 1-0 win against Manchester City, currently ranked number two in the English Premier League. The Mariners' historic appearance in the World Series came to an end Saturday with a 0-1 defeat to the Astros. That's all for the B-List this week. Check in next Monday to hear about what happens this week in pop culture. For WNUR News, I'm Emily Yang. Now, a look at the weather. Right now, it is 34 degrees with overcast skies and wind. There is a gale warning in effect until 10 p.m. Tuesday night, so stay warm and reschedule your yacht party. Tomorrow, the high will be around 46 degrees and a low around 35. Clouds and winds will continue, although Wednesday afternoon could offer a chance for some sunshine. The high will be around 49 degrees and the low will stay around 35. Temperatures will be warmer coming into Thursday and Friday, with a high of 55 Thursday afternoon and a low of 38 at night. Skies should have some sunshine mixed with clouds. Friday will get all the way up to around 65 degrees with a low of 48. And taking a look at today's headlines. Evanston residents, activists, and politicians came together yesterday for a pro-choice rally. Several states bordering Illinois have implemented heavy restrictions on abortion access. This has increased the number of people coming into Illinois for abortions. And although abortion laws in Illinois are unrestricted, the majority of the state's abortion providers are in the Chicago metropolitan area. The event Sunday was intended to raise awareness around equitable access to abortion. Another rally yesterday, Evanston and Chicago residents joined together for climate justice. The event was organized by Chicago Against Line 3. It was meant to educate citizens about the need to stop pipeline construction and, exp and expansion in the Great Lakes region. Pipelines create risks of water contamination and threaten local indigenous populations. The second Illinois gubernatorial debate will air tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central. Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker and Republican Darren Bailey will go head-to-head -head again. This will also be the last time the candidates will share a televised stage before the election. Current polls show that Pritzker has a sizable lead over Bailey. And applications for the federal student loan debt cancellation program have officially opened. President Biden announced today that 8 million people have already applied for loan relief during the soft launch period last weekend. The president is encouraging all who are eligible to visit studentaid.gov to fill out the application form. He says it takes less than five minutes to complete. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Alex Harrison, and our reporters are Ava Mandoli, Ella Barnes, Helen Bradshaw, and Emily Yang. From all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. Thank you for listening. Catch our next newscast on Wednesday, October 19th at 6 p.m. Now back to scheduled programming.